get right into it tonight. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. While you're turning there, share a little story real quick. About three to four months ago, I was walking into the back of the sanctuary here coming in. And I stopped as soon as I walked in the door. And as I walked in the door, I believe it was a vision that God was showing me. But even since then, I could still see it just about every time I walk into the sanctuary now. And as I walk into the sanctuary, it's full of water. The whole sanctuary is full of water. And it's like, you know, since I'm from Florida, I'm used to going to the beach. I'm used to going to a wave pool down at water parks and so forth. And if you go into a wave pool, you start out with just barely covering your toes. And then you go a little bit deeper into your ankles and your knees and your waist and your chest and to your head. And it's the same way every time I would look into the back forward that this place is full of water. And as it's full of water, it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper as you get closer to the altar. And I just want to share that with you tonight. It might just be for me, but the Lord just reminded me of it just a while ago. You know, I've shared it with Pastor, I shared it with my wife, and that was it. But I think it's really key to what I'm sharing with tonight. So as you're standing and turning to John chapter 5, verse 1 through 9, New King James Version. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went into Jerusalem. Now there is in the Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which is called Bethesda. Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame. Do you know any sick people? Yeah. Do you know any blind people, any lame people? There's a lot of sick folks. Paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well, and whatever disease he had, or she had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already had been in that condition for a long time. He said to him, Do you want to be made well? First of all, if Jesus asks you, Do you want to be made well? What do you think he's going to say? Of course he wants to be made well. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Let's pray. Father, I thank you right now for your word, Father. And I just pray right now this would be a life-changing word for people here tonight, Father. Lord, as I was studying and getting ready for this, it changed my life completely. Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in this service tonight, Father. And right now I just come against every thought, every imagination, anything that would come and hinder people tonight, Father God. We just break it right now and plead the blood over it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to preach to you tonight for... Not too long. A message called Shaken But Not Stirred. Shaken But Not Stirred. Have you ever went on the internet and ordered something from a business? Yes, people do it all the time now. Amazon.com. Uh, anywhere. You buy it and you wait for it. You wait patiently for it. You know, five to seven, seven to ten business days, whatever, and you just wait for it, and you wait for it, and you wait for it, and you wait for it. And it still hasn't came yet. Now, every day you're going out to your mailbox, every day you're running out there, has it got there yet? And if it's something really important, you're out there, even though it's five to seven business days, you wait on the third day. I'm going to go out there and check on the third day, just in case it got shipped out early. I'm that way when it comes to stuff being shipped up from 
Florida or anywhere else, but I've learned living in Alaska. You just wait five to seven business days. You're going to be waiting longer than that. You know, sometimes it's a week to two weeks. But we sit there and we wait and we wait and wait and wait and wait. We do nothing about it, but we wait. And we wait. You get the picture? We're just waiting. And finally we get tired of waiting and we go to post office. We call the company and we figure out where it's at and we go get it. We go get what we bought. It's taken a while, but we go get it. In our text, John chapter 5, in verse, in verse 5, we find a man that watched God heal others. Who in this house tonight has been waiting for a miracle? We read that there was no one else to help this man get into the water. After 38 years... I bet this guy's faith was a little bit shaken. You know, he's sitting there by the water, and he's just like, God, I want to get healed, but I can't get to the water. You know. And as I was reading this, and I'll be, okay, this is it. I had something else to preach to you. I had it written out, and it was on counting the cost. Okay, and as I was preparing for this, or preparing and studying this morning, Lord totally changed it to this. And as He started dealing me about this, I physically started getting sicker and sicker and sicker. I'm like, this ain't good. I'm talking about fried chicken sick. I'm talking about, for me, you know, some of y'all know my testimony, that's bad. I'm like, okay, God, something's up with this. And as I started delving into this and getting more and more, I just start like, ah. Anyway, we pray for our prayers to be answered. Who in here has been praying for prayers to be answered? Certain things that you've been praying for, God, for years. And we just wait. And we just wait. And just wait. Just like waiting for the mail. We just wait. You know, I was reading this, and the Holy Spirit started dealing with me. You know, we've heard uh, messages preached from this before, okay, about the pool of Bethesda. We've heard about the lame man, get up, your, get up and walk. Well, the Holy Spirit showed me a twist to the whole thing. And I'm twisting this because some people need to get twisted. People need to get twisted. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. As I was reading this, the Holy Spirit showed me, and it was simple, very simple. This man was crippled. He was lame. In the New American Standard Version I was reading today, he was sick. Okay? We just know the guy was screwed up. He was physically couldn't move. He couldn't move. There was no one to help him. This is important because once a year, at a certain season, an angel was sent by God to stir up the water. And at that time, whoever got in the water first could get healed. But I started getting a little twisted when I was reading this. Because after reading this, you go on and read a little bit further, and he has a voice. He could talk. You can talk. You can speak. He carried on a conversation with Jesus. You know, and what was his conversation with Jesus? A bunch of excuses. That was his conversation with Jesus was a bunch of excuses. But he could have planned ahead. This man who was laid there, I don't know how long he was laying. The Bible don't tell me. It just tells me he was sick for 38 years. But he was laying by that pool for a long time because he came up with an excuse. Every time the the angel would come, God, or Jesus, I can't do anything because nobody's here to help me in the water. The angel would come, stir up the water, just watching the miracle happen. 
his faith would get a little bit shaken more and more and more. Every year that passes, that miracle never happens. It never happens for him. And he's just waiting patiently. I mean, you know, I'm not making a lot of the subject, but he couldn't go anywhere. Okay, so what else could he do? He had to learn some patience. He had to learn some patience in all this. But we've all got promises, and we've all been promised by God certain things, and we're waiting patiently for them. And sometimes we just get like I preached a while back, stuck in a rut. Y'all remember that? You just kind of get stuck in that waiting pattern of just like, okay, God, I'm just here, and I'm just holding on. And I'm just going to wait patiently until you come and do what you said you were going to do. Well, you know, God's going to do what He said He's going to do. Okay? That's, that's, that's in His Word. He's not going to lie. He's going to do what He says He's going to do. But, I like in the Bible because there's a lot of buts within the Scripture. Because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we have to do on our part. There's a lot of things that we have to do. Now, this man here, I love him. Because he's sitting here, and he goes... He answered Jesus and said, I have no man to put me into the pool of water when it's stirred up. You have to be ready for the miracle. You have to be ready whenever God says it's time. That's the whole key to everything. When God says it's time to go, when God says it's time to move, when God says it's time for whatever, you have to be ready. You have to be ready for that. Matthew Chapter 25 talks about the ten virgins. You have five of them that was prepared for the coming of the bridegroom and five of them that wasn't. And we all know the story. The five that was not ready for the bridegroom, they didn't have no oil in their lamps when the bridegroom finally came. And they was out shopping trying to get more oil when the bridegroom came. So whenever the bridegroom came, they missed out on the bridegroom. They missed out on the party. They missed out on the blessing. They missed out on it all. We have to do our part. God is not required to bless you just because we ask. Just because we ask for it, God's not required to bless you. Prayer is action. It's an action word. We must get active and plan for God to move and answer our prayers. We can't just sit around and wait. Yes, we have to be patient, but we also have to do our part. You know, I remember growing up taking tests. And trust me, I prayed before every test I took. 99.9% of the time, I didn't do my part. I didn't study. You know, my report card and my test grade showed it. I studied enough to pass. If you go to school, study harder. Don't use me as an example, What? Don't use me as an example. 2 Timothy 1.6 tells us to stir up the gift of God or, or, or the gift of, our, or gift of faith that He's given us. We have to stir it up. We can't just be shaken. We also have to stir it up. Satan's going to do everything he can to shake it up and shake it up and shake up our faith. But at the same time, we also have to be smart enough, wise enough to know that, yes, God has came. He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross. He's given us a measure of faith. He's given some of us more measure of faith. But all at the same time, we all have faith. And we have to do our part to stir it up. You know, that's what this... I started to get angry at this lame man today. I started to get mad at him. I mean, I don't know this guy. He's, okay, he's Joe from last week, okay? Joe the lame man. Nobody's name's Joe because I'm hitting on Joe still. <laughs> I'm sorry. I really got irritated about this guy today. Yes, he obeyed Jesus. Jesus spoke the word to him take your bed and walk. Yeah, he spoke it to him. We're going to find some more things out soon. 
We just finished 40 days of faith in our life group. Who's going through 40 days of faith? Everybody in my life group should raise your hand. Here we go. If you haven't, we'll have another one and come to that one. A little plug for life group there. In the series, you know, faith is described as a car. You know, and it moves us towards our hope and the destination God has for us. Different aspects of faith are different parts of the car. That's how Dr. Morocco, when he preached this word in these series of teachings on faith, the 40 days of faith, that's how he presented it in his messages were parts of a car. You know, you have the Holy Spirit, which is the engine. Endurance as the tires. If you want to know more, go to the life group. But why a car? Why did he choose faith as a car? Simple. It's a very simple thing. Because faith moves us. Faith is what's going to get us from point A to point B. Point from this earth to heaven. From being sick to being healed. To being dead to being alive. That's what faith is going to do. That's what's going to drive us. That's what's going to move us. In order for Peter to get or to walk on water, he had to get out of the boat. Okay? Peter had to do something. He had to move. Faith is action. We have to move. And here's I'm gonna, you know, here's some of my irritants that when I was telling you I got irritated at Joe the lame man today. This man waited for 38 years to be healed. Jesus came and he showed mercy. And all he did was speak the word and he received his healing. That's all Jesus done was speak the word. If Joe, the lame man, would have never got up, he would have never got healed. He still had to move. He still had to use some physical force to get up. Muscles and bones he's never used. He had to get up. He had to obey the voice of God. Now here's where my irritant started. What if Joe the lame man... The Bible tells us we don't know how long he was laying there, right? But we do know that he was there for a while to see the angel come down and stir the water up. I think this is a little bit humorous all at the same time because he's sitting there. I want to be Joe. You know, I can't move. But I can talk. And every year, I see this angel come down, get into the water, stir it up. Fred, that came last week, jumps into the water, and he's healed from cancer. But I'm paralyzed for 38 years, and I can't move. Joe gives that example to Jesus that I can't move. (laughs) You know, I've been sick before and I can give you examples of being sick and excuses of not doing things. And that's all Joe was doing. Because this is why I got mad right here at Joe, the lame man, the crippled guy, paralyzed, sick guy. This is why. He had a voice. And he could have prepared because in verse 4 it says, The angel of the Lord would come at an appointed season. Well, if that angel of the Lord comes at that appointed season, and if I'm there long enough, I know when that angel's coming. And if I know when that angel's coming, and if I know all i got to be is the first one in the water, 
guess what? I want to get in the water. I shouldn't have to wait for 38 years for Jesus to come walking by and say, get up. That's the whole key to the whole thing right here. G, uh, Job is sitting there. I understand he can't get up. I understand he can't really make plans ten minutes before the angel comes down because you know what? Joe knows when the angel's coming. He don't have no excuse to be ready. He could have had his family. He could have had friends because you know what? Somebody was bringing him food. 30, 38 years? Joe was getting fed. He had somebody in his ear. He had somebody talking to him. So he could have said, hey, okay, come here, I need you. On this day, be here. Why? Because you're going to throw me in the water. That's what I need you to do. Throw me in the water. He didn't do it. He only saw as one straight line. I have to go this way right here. I can't think out of the box. Because you know what? If I was Joe, and if I knew the angel was going to be coming on this day, at this time, I might be looking like a prune, but I would have been thrown in the water before. Because I know good and well, because I was, I was reading, I was making sure it didn't say I couldn't be in the water prior. It just said I had to be in the water. And the first person in there that was in the water, when the water was stirred, got healed. One plus one is two. It's not hard to figure that out. But a lame man for 38 years feeling his head full of excuses couldn't figure that out because he could only figure, I'm sick, I can't move. Somebody's got to help me. And we all have that same mentality, somebody's got to help me, but we ain't willing to help ourselves. We can't help ourselves on a little thing of, uh, yeah, you know, I'm sick today and I can't get to church, you know, or my car's broke down or something. If my car's broke down, can I get a ride? You know, all it is is about meeting Jesus. It's, it's about meeting and getting in the presence of God. And that's what that water represented was the presence of God. It didn't represent just a bath. But it was the presence of God. And that's what he needed to do was get in the presence of God. He had to get in the water. But he was too bent and too bound on his little mentality of saying, I can't, I'm sick. I can't move. Think out of the box a little bit. If you want it bad enough, you'll get it. If you want it bad enough, you'll get it. You know, I was a perfect child growing up. Perfect in getting in trouble. But if I wanted it bad enough, I could figure it. I love you, Mom and Dad, if you, if you watch this sometime. But I could figure out a way to get what I wanted. Don't look at me like that because you've done it too. It might, it might take a little bit of manipulation of one parent over the other. Or it could have just been asking. Because they don't know if I didn't ask. You know, there was this car that I wanted. I didn't get it. I didn't ask for it either. Because, you know, I was like, huh, they don't have the money for it. You know, I was satisfied with what I had. When God sends his presence down if you did not feel the fire of the Holy Spirit tonight during worship check your wood because your wood might be wet When I started off tonight and I told you about the wave pool, that's what I'm talking about. Sometimes you got to get in the water. 
ankle deep ain't going to cut it. Knee deep ain't going to cut it. Fully submerge yourself into the water. That's where things start getting stirred up. You can't really get stirred up when you're just in ankle deep water or knee deep water because you still have control. You know, I can go down to the river right by our house at Hatcher's Pass. And that water's harsh. It's fast. And I guarantee you I can go out there and it's going to take me away. You get into the water of God. It's going to take you. Probably not where your flesh wants to go. Because your flesh is going to try to swim right back upstream. But if you'll just let your spirit just take over, it's going to take you wherever you want to go and wherever God leads you. You know, once God stirs up the water and you dare to, and I dare, it's not you, it's I, it's us, if we dare to look at it and say, okay, if I know God's going to be here at this time tomorrow, and you're not here, don't cry to Pastor, don't cry to Mike or anybody else that your prayers ain't being answered. You don't have no excuse. I don't have no excuse. We don't. If you want breakthrough, if you want miracles, if you want the healing, you know when the water is going to be stirred. You know when it's going to be stirred. Joe, the lame man, knew when it was going to be stirred. But he was just going to wait for 38 years for Jesus. But this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me today. He wasted almost his whole life on being sick. If he would have just thought outside the box for a second and said, Hey, guess what? You be here tomorrow, throw me in the water. Micah, I need you here tomorrow at 7 a.m. because this angel is going to come down, stick your finger in the water, stir it up, and just throw me in, man. Throw me in. Why? I'm going to get healed. Okay. Sounds like fun. Get to throw somebody in the water. I love throwing people in the water. I was fixing to say my dog. I, okay, fine. I had this, uh, we had this little terrier, rat terrier mix named Sasquatch. He's about this big. Our daughter Madison named him Sasquatch because it's an oxymoron. You know, it's the dog this big named Sasquatch. So what I like to do with Sasquatch is see how far I can throw him. And we have this pond out by the property. And if you love dogs, I'm not hurting them. And he'll like go in the water and he'll like, you know, swim. But it's even more fun when the water freezes. You take him and slide him across. And his little paws. That's the funniest thing. The dogs, the dogs not hurt. Anyway, okay. My dirty, my dirty laundry's out there. I like bowling with dogs. No, but um, seriously, I got a few more minutes left. I'm gonna be long. But I shared a testimony with a life group a few weeks ago, and it wrecked me because it's personal. It's about my God healing me, and I'm not going to go into all the details of it because we'll be here for hours. I kind of spared them for only 30 minutes of it. But I'm sitting there at age 12, you got Crohn's disease. Like, you know, so I've been labeled with Crohn's disease all my life. If you don't know what it is, talk with somebody, they'll tell you. You don't have time. But I put it to you like this. I had a evangelist pray over me in 1995 that, I mean, he prophesied over me, you are healed with Crohn's disease. 18 years old. I remember looking at him saying, okay. 
Okay. Because from 12, I've been prayed over and prophesied over. I was healed from Crohn's disease. So you're just the next in line that's going to tell me I'm healed from Crohn's disease. So so what do I do? I go down to Pete Louise and give me some fried chicken and Dr. Pepper. It's a joke, and you'll get it after a while. So anyway, so I've been told I'm healed from Crohn's disease. Joe the lame man's been sick for 38 years. And I would go in the hospital, get pumped over steroids, lose weight. I had one surgery, all this kind of stuff, and things happened, and I get men to back up and get better. And all the time in 1995, this one evangelist who just... Kenny Morrison from Oklahoma. I mean, that's how much it impacted me. Because anybody else who told me is just a dime a dozen. You know, great men and women of faith, but it didn't mean anything to me because I've heard it forever. So I'm sitting there, sick, again, and again. Another year passed. Another season passed. All this stuff. And I'm sick. I'm sick and sick. And it really hit home. Um, me and Amy met. And I was taking Remicade treatments. If you know what that is. If you don't, don't worry about it. But Remicade, after we did some studying on it, after I stopped taking it, was really just made out of mouse and other chemicals and stuff. Yeah. Yuck. So anyway, I would go into the hospital or outpatient for three hours. Now, this is funny, okay? I would go in there, and I had some awesome nurses. They knew me, cut up with them, and they would schedule. This is funny. They would schedule my appointments for the day they served chicken fingers in the hospital. If you know anything about Crohn's, you can't have fried food. So I would go into the hospital for Crohn's disease, eating chicken fingers while I'm getting treatment for the Crohn's disease. So I'm sitting there getting pumped up full of mouse while I'm eating chicken. Doing great. It, uh, the, the, the medicine's working. Next thing you know, I am decided to follow this maker's diet by Jordan Rubin. Doing great on that, but since you stopped the treatment and all that, you couldn't go back on it. So anyway, three years ago, I got sick. When I say sick, I'm talking about Joe the lame man, crippled guy, sick, waiting for 38 years. I am Joe the lame man. I am. Because I knew all I had to do was get in the water. I knew it. But I've heard it. You know, so I was making all up all kind of excuses. So I'm drinking my daughter peppers. I'm eating my fried chicken. Three years ago. And in a time span of about three and a half, four weeks, I lost right at 40 pounds. I was a regular at Sacred Heart Hospital in Northwest Florida Hospital in Pensacola, Florida. I would, like, be working, take a lunch break, go in there, hit me up full of drugs for pain, <laughs> and get back on the road make you feel safe, huh? And just go about my business. The doctors in Alabama where I was going, it was too far for me to drive anymore. They said, go back to your doctor that was a doctor when you were a little child. Okay, fine. I'm a doc- I'm, I've gone back to him. Well, 20 years has passed, and this guy's really become an arrogant, pompous <laughs> fella now. He's got his shirt unbuttoned, a gold chain, and he's like, you've always going to have Crohn's disease, and you just tell your preacher dad, you're always going to have Crohn's. You ain't healed. He tells me that in his office as he's trying to sign me up for some more IV medication to make him money. He says, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you and we're going to do some tests. 
so they'd done the test, and I remember on a Thursday morning, I was working. I ran by the house to have breakfast, and the phone rang, and it was the doctor. And he called, and he was like, I'm glad you're there. <laughs> okay, first of all, I was a route man for a uniform company. It just so happened that day was my day that I was working the area. But it was an appointed time for me to answer the phone from my doctor. And this is what he said. You have a tumor. Don't know if it's cancer or not, but it's a pretty big tumor. My heart sank. I'm like, oh God. Now here's the kicker to everything. My baby sister, she's 27, 28 now. She has Crohn's disease too. But God healed her from Crohn's disease years earlier. So I've been watching my little sister get healed while I'm just laying there year after year as Joe the lame man. So he says, here's what I want you to do. If you go and you get sick one more time, this, this is how serious this guy, this guy was. If you get sick one more time, go to the hospital. Tell them I sent you. Not knowing what the issue was with the tumor. Not knowing where it was at. He just told me it was in my intestines. That's all he said. I'm like, great. So Sunday afternoon, well, excuse me, I get this call Thursday. And I am like devastated. Okay, we're going to a church there. It's an Assembly of God church. Um, and they're having Revive 07. It's our yearly camp meeting revival. I never experienced the power of God that way before. I'm talking about it's a starry night. Okay? The power of God is so heavy, it's almost like drums. The power goes out. Come to find out there's no record of the power going out with the power company. But the power of God is so heavy in that place the power's out, okay? You follow me? I mean, God's there. And it changed me. That night, I went home. I took out a pharmacy full of drugs, okay? I took out my steroids. I took out this stuff. I took out this stuff, my pain pills, everything, and just flushed them down the toilet. I said, okay, God, if I'm healed, I'm healed. If I'm healed, I'm healed. If I, I'm not going to take these drugs anymore. So, you know, if you're going to heal me, I'm healed, then fine. So Sunday afternoon, after a great morning at church, <laughs> I'm in the hospital. I told my wife, I said, honey, I mean, okay, this became a joke, joke between us. This was a joke. <laughs> I'll be back. Because I would go to the hospital so much, don't waste your time coming. I know they're going to send me back home after they give me something for pain. Well, you know, I'm 135 pounds. Going to the hospital, I'm like just doubled over in pain. I remember this so vividly. I'm not trying to take too much time, okay, but I have to, I have to get this out. I have to get this out, okay? In so much pain, I'm like doubled over there is a black evangelist and his family and his church members preaching at a church right down the road he's in there for gallstones okay and you know he's sitting over there just in pain but he's having church slash on morphine okay I mean this whole picture is so vivid okay so I go in there I go finally see the doctor, and the doctor looks at my test results. He says, let me do one more test. He done the same test they did three days earlier in that spot that 
the tumor and everything that they did see had gotten bigger from three days prior. So I'm sitting there like, and he says, but, you know, I just want to tell you something. You're not leaving this hospital. You know, that's probably not what you want to hear. You are not going to leave this hospital. But me and my wife have been praying, Lord, put me in the hospital. Like, you know, I'm getting sicker and sicker and sicker. Put me in the hospital. I'm sitting there, and he says, I want to tell you something. I'm a Crohn's patient. This is the doctor talking to me. I'm a Crohn's patient. And I found out Friday I have to have surgery. I'm like, wow. He says, what kind of drugs you want? Because you're not leaving this hospital. I tell him. I say, you know, okay, this. It's like a buffet, you know, give me this or this or this. This is kind of the, the, the picture of everything. So he hooks me up with something for pain. He says, what surgeon do you want? I said, Dewey Torres, the same guy who done my surgery years ago. He hooked me up. To make a long story short, they'd done the surgery. They'd done, they'd done, the, done the surgery on me. I'm laying on the doctor's table as he's taking out my staples from surgery. Okay. I'm laying there, and I look over to my right, and there's this sheet of paper which is my file, okay? Which is my file. And there's a sheet of paper. And as he's taking the staples out, and I'm looking at it, it's my pathology report. In this pathology report, this is what it says. Jonathan Broom, my name's Jonathan. Jonathan Broom has no sign of Crohn's disease. Come to find out, it was infected scar tissue. You don't get it. In 1991, I had surgery. First surgery I had. I've only had two in my life. The first one was an infected area of Crohn's disease. Every time I would get sick after that, it was infected scar tissue. The same symptoms would be present. The same outcome would be there. Everything would swell up, give him medicine, make it swell back down, be good again. Laying on a doctor's table, I had confirmation that this whole time I've been getting pumped full of mouse. <laughs> I've been doing all this stuff. It was because of an infected scar tissue and not because of Crohn's disease. And the only thing I was doing was believing the lie that Satan kept on feeding me that I would always be paralyzed, I would always be there. Just like Joe the lame man, I'm always going to be there. And yes, 38 years, Joe sat there. And yes, 38 years later, Jesus came by and says, take up your bed and walk. But guess what? If Joe would have just found a way to get back in the water years earlier, he would have been healed. And if me not being stupid and ignorant and not stirring up my own faith, because it was shaking, I'm like, okay, I'm healed, whatever. Guess what? I'm healed. Joe, the lame man. Joe, the lame man. Guess what? He got healed. But there's people here tonight that you've been sick. You've been going through the same stupid nonsense that you're putting yourself through. Just like I put myself through. Over and over and over again because I did not stir up my faith to say, okay... God, I believe what you said that I, that you're going to do for me. But at the same time, i got to do something myself. I'm going to go ahead and take that first step. And if it means me doing this, then I'm going to do it. If it means me doing this, then I'm going to do it. If it do this, I'm going to do it. Whatever it takes, God, you said you're going to do it, great. I believe you. I have faith in it. But at the same time, if you're going to do it, I'm going to do my part. 
And that's where we're failing is not doing our part. God's doing His part. We're just not doing ours. Same with me. Father, I thank You, Lord. Lord, I thank You that You've given us wisdom not to be stupid. Lord, I thank You that You've given us wisdom to be able to make the right choices, even though that we don't, God. I know that we don't make the right choices all the time, Lord. Lord, I know that we fall short, God, because we've all fallen short and come short of the glory of God. But God, I know that there are times that we can just step out in faith even though that you said you're going to do it and your promises will always come to pass. They'll always come to pass, but you're just waiting on us to take the first step. God, you're just... You know, you're, we are Peter waiting to step out on the water. And Lord, we just lack the faith sometimes to take that first step. And tonight, God, I just pray that everyone in this house tonight, Father God, will receive a supernatural impartation of faith. Lord, I came to understand today we don't have to do this on our own. This life, we don't have to do it on our own. You have put people in, in our life, God, that we can just say, hey, will you help me? Will you help me do this? Will you help me do that? Will you pick me up and take me and throw me in the water? Lord, you have put people in our lives to direct our path. God, I thank you for healing my body. I understand that I'm healed, but I still have to do my part. And forgive me whenever I've not done my part. Where I might have snuck that Dr. Pepper, that little piece of fried chicken. But God, I can make light of it. But nothing about trusting you is playful. Lord, we, I love you, God. I can only speak for myself, God. But I will take the steps that have to be taken and do my part for my prayers to be answered. I'll go where you say to go. I'll do what you say to do. I'll move where you want to move. Lord, that's what we need here tonight. Is that kind of faith, that kind of boldness to go and do and move and say what you have us say or do. And Lord, I pray for everyone here tonight, right now, under the sound of my voice, or that's online, or we'll hear this on podcast later. A special faith-filled anointing to follow after you. They won't look back. They will take the steps to get out of the boat. They'll get in the water. They'll stir it up for themselves. They'll stir up that gift of faith when they start getting shaken. Bless them tonight, Father. Change hearts and lives right now, Father God, for eternity. And I thank you, Father. You know, we don't never want to end a service without giving you a chance to meet this Jesus that we're talking about. I understand that there's people in here that you've been coming for a long time. But just because you come to church don't mean you know Jesus. You can sit on these pews and burn and bust hell wide open. Stand before God and say, But I went to King's Chapel Wasilla. And you're still going to hear, Depart from me, I never knew you. Because you don't know Jesus. Or you're playing games with Him. 
if you're in the sound of my voice and you want to know Jesus, do you want to make a commitment to Him for the first time? Or a recommitment? Or just be reassured of your salvation? Raise your hand. Thank you. Everybody say this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Father, give me a special gift of faith. Help me stir up the fire and the passion for you. Help me walk on water. Give me the boldness to live for you. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to bless you all tonight. Father, I thank you for everyone here. Lord, I thank you for the lives and the families that are represented. Lord, I ask you to bless us tonight as we leave your house. But Father, as as we leave your house, Father, we don't want to leave your presence. So go with us tonight, Father. Lead us and guide us in whatever we do and keep us safe. Keep us safe until the next time we come in here and worship you again. We thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. Amen.